Welcome to On the Brink, a fresh lens to take you and your business to new heights. Hi, I'm Andy Simon. And as you know, my frequent followers who come to watch our podcast, I'm here to help you be the guide and the host to take you off the brink. Our job is to help you see, feel, and think in new ways. And in order to do that, you have to listen to people who have changed. Change is painful. Your brain hates me. But don't run away. Today, we're going to have a great, great time. I have with us today, Melissa Andrew, who's an attorney who I met at a wonderful party at Jose as a Lestri's home. And she has really given me some perspective on something that I think is important for us to share. She's smiling at me. Um, Here's a little bit about her background, and then she's going to tell you about her own journey. Melissa is an experienced litigator. She's leveraged her background in law to lead Dorf Nelson Zodra, the law firm, in their initiatives as chief diversity officer. She's also the firm's chief client relations officer. And she's tapping into her extensive experience in marketing, business development, and recruitment to drive business growth within the firm. But what's real important is she's gone from being a litigator to being an expert in the diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging professional space. So she's helping the firm help other firms begin, and this is my word, see, feel, and think in new ways, so they can begin to understand why having a lot of diversity of all kinds, including cognitive diversity, and listening to each other, and beginning to understand how to include people in things that you might have not thought they were part of. Melissa, thank you for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me, Andy. It's a real pleasure to be on your show. Well, it was a real pleasure to meet you. When we did the book launch at Yosei's, I asked people if they wanted to share their wisdoms, and up came Melissa. And she had a story she wanted to tell. She's going to tell it again today. But first, who is Melissa? Tell us about your journey, please. Well, when you called me up to tell my story, I was a little shocked. I hadn't planned on being called upon, but I love sharing my story. And, you know, quickly, born and bred Queens girl. Um, I am a lawyer, as you said, um, and I came to that profession kind of, I didn't have mentors in my life who were lawyers or judges. I learned by watching TV what was interesting. <laughs> That's how I why I chose my profession. And what was on TV was, you know, you're a prosecutor, you're a criminal defense lawyer. So I chose the prosecution route. Um, I always wanted to be a Queens District Attorney. And <laughs> I became one. I loved that job. I, you know, I represented the people of the state of New York, the county of Queens. And, you know, as most people in government, we move on into civil practice. And then I moved into civil litigation. I did that for a very long time. You may find that shocking, but I did it for 12 years at a firm. Um, And then I moved to Dorf and Nelson, which was then Dorf and Nelson. Now it's Dorf, Nelson and Zouderer. And I did that for a while, and it's kind of sad looking back on it, but I did it for such a long time when I didn't really enjoy it. But I didn't know what else was out there. I had no clue what to do with this law degree, you know, so I just kept on doing litigation. And it got to the point where I I started speaking with people at the firm, and they, I was told that this opening for marketing and business development was available. And I said, well, I've never done either. I'm a litigator. I'm a lawyer. But then it 
got to the point where I was just candidly miserable. <laughs> didn't want to get out of bed, didn't want to go to work. So I said, you know, let me try the position. And I'm not a fail. I don't like to fail. So I said, I'm going to put my heart and soul into it. And I started learning about the business side of law, which I had no idea that law was a business. I thought you just went to court, did depositions, blah, blah, blah. But I found it very interesting. I was meeting clients. I was meeting prospective clients. I was learning about the business. And then that delved into marketing, which opened a whole new world for me. And with the marketing, you know, I was looking at other law firms. I was looking at businesses and the DEI aspect clicked. I mean, as you can see, I'm a woman of color at in the legal profession, which another story is really not as diverse as it should be, but we'll leave that for another time. So I started looking internally at what we could do to make the law firm better, more inclusive, more attractive to candidates. You know, we wanted to hire people. So what do you do? So I spoke with leadership. I I had to get their buy-in or else this would never work. And the first thing that we did is we started a diversity and inclusion council and I handpicked the members and we just had candid conversations about what was going on at the firm, what they wanted to see change. And I studied. It was not easy. I spoke with people in the DEI space. I found the experts. I read and it got to the point where I was being called upon to do panels and advise people on their own DEI journeys. I mean, it wasn't a quick thing. Unfortunately, it took a lot of hard work. I had a lot of mentors and sponsors in my corner. Luckily, I'm one of those individuals who actually found people who in, who wanted to invest in mm-hmm. me. And that's kind of how I ended up here. Um, I know that a lot of people, and I've heard this, think that the law firm handpicked the Black attorney to be the DEI officer. But I assure you that is not the case. I wanted this role. I advocated for this role. And I was, and I believe that I'm doing a very good job with the role. Um, It's not done. It's hard work. And we continue every day to do the important work that is called DEI, DEIB, DEIA. So many different. Um let, let's um, uh, let, let's reflect for a moment, um, which is how I think our listeners or our viewers um, want to pick your brain because there have been a number of articles that have come out about how companies, large and small, are mm, de-emphasizing the work of DE&I or the department of DEI. I'm not quite sure. Being an anthropologist, why you need a department of it um, and who they put there, but you know, it's it's a, an, a very important part of transforming the way we live together. And, and it's both inside and outside. It changes um, how people come to work, what they expect of each other, how we listen to each other and hear. Um, give them some of your own both learning and experiences, because while they didn't pick you, they were wise enough to select you. And to open up a space to let you go, I'm curious about that first group that you pulled together and how you managed to get them thinking. So give us a little of the how-to. How did Melissa 
do it and how others might as well. So the how-to is I decided to leave leadership out of these um, council meetings because I felt that in order for me to get a true sense of how people were feeling, I couldn't have the partners in these meetings because then people would feel like they cannot be honest. And that was the first thing that we did. Mm. And then I took the feedback, I took the information, and I looked at our policies, I looked at the procedures, the internal information that the firm has. And then I went to leadership and I said, this is what we can do. Let's do X, Y, and Z. Let's look at our policies. Are they gender neutral? Do they apply to everyone across the board? And we started slowly but surely. And as I say to everybody, DEI is it's a the long run. You cannot expect to finish DEI in a week, a month, or even a year. It's an ongoing process. So that's how I started my DEI um, initiatives at the firm. Well, as you did it, did people, um, you know, you spoke about having mentors and sponsors. Uh, Clearly, you had teammates. Um, Because as, as you think about it, this requires people to stop and rethink their story and the story of the firm they're in. Their livelihood is dependent upon it, but also their personal experiences and what's happening. So as they were working with you, were there some key issues? I, I can hear your policy changes, but, you know, policies don't do much if people don't do much. Right. So what kinds of things that you were beginning to implement. So candidly, of course, as with any new initiatives, there is a little bit of pushback. So we had to get the team members at the firm on board and explain to them why this was important, why the time was now. And, you know, it's not perfect. Nothing is ever perfect. But People do understand why diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging is important. I mean, the thing is, you want to attract talent. You want the firm to continue to grow. And the way that we do that is bringing diverse perspectives into the law firm, bringing different people into the law firm because neurodiversity, right? Everybody comes from a different place in their lives. Their thinking is not the same as, let's say, when somebody who's been here forever, right? You want to bring in fresh blood. And so when they started to understand the business reason behind DEI, yes, started to really buy into what we were doing and they embrace it and they welcome it at this point. You know, I, you know, I, one of the women I met recently is at Vassar and Vassar had a bunch of faculty go to court about unequal pay for equal jobs. And of course, um, being a former academic, I remember well, well, we hired him at different times and and the women came in with less experience and a, right. a variety of, that's a female college, come on. Um, but the so the pieces of DEIB are each by themselves important to understand. So give us a little bit of a breakdown because um, there's diversity, equity, equal pay for equal work, equal position, equal opportunity, inclusion, and inclusion and belonging are a little bit different. Right. Um, give us a little bit more of detail on each, if you could. I think it would be helpful. Sure. So diversity is a, represent, a representation of different cultures, different backgrounds, different races, sexual orientations. Diversity can also be 
the differences in education, socioeconomic <clears throat> background, um, marital status is diversity, right? Um, people often think that it's just racial or gender, but that's not it. There are so many different aspects to diversity. It's what makes us different and unique. Somebody once said to me, we're all diverse. We're all diverse. And I said, that's that's a great, we're all unique. Go ahead. We're, right. And that's what makes the world a great place to live. Imagine living with everybody who's like you. I mean, I think that would be pretty boring. But um, so that's diversity. Equity, at its basic level, equity is about fairness and leveling the playing field. Contrary to what some people think, it's not about taking from one group to give to another group. It's about adjust, making adjustments to imbalances, right? It's really about fairness. Yep. Inclusion is kind of related to belonging, but I look at them as two different um, concepts. So to me, inclusion is you're being invited to the party to play. You're being given a seat at the table. You're being considered and as a decision maker, as a colleague, your, your voice is being heard. You mean you can also say something at a meeting and people can hear you? Exactly, exactly. They listen to you. They might, may not buy what you say, but they give you the opportunity to be seen and to be uh -huh. heard. And to me, belonging is, it's an individual's feeling that you, me, you, feel that you are connected to the community, that you belong, that you can be yourself with the people that you're around. And now, a word from our sponsors, Simon Associates Management Consultants. That's us. And we're here to help you see, feel, and think in new ways. Whether you are an organization that's stuck or stalled, or an individual in that organization who's looking to rethink their own life's journey, Simon Associates has designed programs and processes to help you do just that. Our first book, On the Brink, A Fresh Lens to Take Your Business to New Heights, told the stories of seven clients who were stuck or stalled, and a little anthropology helped them see things through a fresh lens, reignite their growth, and soar again. My new book that came out in January 2021 is called Rethink, Smashing the Myths of Women in Business. It's all about how 11 women, including myself, were able to see past the hurdles, the glass ceilings, and the brick walls, and become the best that they could be. They heard things like women aren't lawyers and women can't lead and women aren't in geosciences. And they said, of course we are. And they really pushed through and did it with such ease that they want other women to see what's possible. At the end of the book, I provide a bit of a how-to process for you. If you're on the brink of rethinking your own life's journey, it's time to pause, step back and ask yourself, where am I going? What's my passion and my purpose? And am I there or can I get there? Send us your emails to info at andysimon.com and we'll get right back to you to see how we can help. On andysimon.com are some free chapters for both books. And you can also join our newsletter and our Facebook group, Rethink with Andy Simon. We are bringing together women to help other women do what they can't do by themselves very often to see what's possible and become the best that they can be. Come join us. And now back to our podcast. You find that, you know, humans, I'm an anthropologist, humans are very tribal. Yes. They look at the world that they're moving into as a workplace. Do I belong here? And and it, it is everything from the mm, tangible, am I dressed right? Do I look right? 
Um, will people look me in the eye and trust that I make good decisions? All of the intangibles that are there. Often I don't hear people talking about it, which disturbs me because inclusion without belonging is um, it isn't cool. I did work for a university once and, and all the students at a conference we were holding sat at tables with others where they belonged. But none of them were diverse. <laughs> and and they, they literally stood up and said to the administration, you think you've built diverse, but we are really in enclaves with our tribes. Mm-hmm. And yes, the whole place may have diversity, but we don't feel like we're diverse. We feel like we have a tribe to belong to. And that's comfortable for us, but it may be uncomfortable for you. It was a very profound conversation about what do these words mean? Mm. It is. So I do some consulting, DEI consulting, as part of my duties. And one of the things that I always start my programs with is defining what diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, and accessibility mean. Because Uh if we don't understand these core concepts, we're not going to understand anything about DEIB. So... I truly think that if people do not start with the basics, the foundations, um, and understand why people feel a certain way, why people think that they need to gravitate towards their own their own groups, their own culture, then we're never going to get to where we need to be. It's all about knowledge, education, and understanding. And an openness to want to know more about the other. Yes. Now, be curious. Ask and, questions. And be happy when you can sit together at lunch and share how's life. Yeah. You know, and, and now humans are human. And, uh, and nobody likes to be the whistleblower or the soloist. They want an orchestra where they can all play their instruments, but play them together with a good conductor. Right. How important is the conductor, the leader? Oh, Wow. When it comes to DEIB, the leader is instrumental because nothing can be done without the leader's buy-in. And I truly believe that. So John Dorff, John Nelson, and Mark Zouder, they are the leaders of the firm. And if they did not give me the, if I didn't have the, if they did not embrace the concepts of DEIB, what I am doing at the firm could never, it would never succeed. It would just be some a box that you're checking on, you know, your documents. But because it's something that they truly believe in, it's in the fabric of, it's in the DNA of the firm long before I got here. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't as, you know, apparent until I got here, I suppose. But um, if you don't have the leaders who have your back, we're going to fail. So and do they important. Well, do they do intentional things in order to broaden their own um, comfort with a diverse workforce and with diverse clients? I mean, do they live the promise? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, One of the things that we do is we started a scholarship Uh at Pace University. Um, It's called the Beth S. Nelson Memorial Scholarship. And we wanted it to go to a woman embarking on a second career in law. And it's in honor of John Nelson's mom, who was a teacher, and then she went into law. 
So that is something that the firm does in order to show its commitment about diversity, equity, and inclusion. We want to bring up the next generation. We want to give these women who are embarking on these second careers the opportunity to get in the law and graduate on time. And that's one of the ways that we do it. Another way that we show our commitment, that the partners show their commitment, is they embrace every single client, you know, regardless if you're Black, white, LGBTQ, you know, you deserve equal treatment when you come into Dorf, Nelson and Zouder and you need representation. Well, Never turn away. Uh, and I think that it's really a model for others to both hear about and to learn about. Um, you also work with clients and how how do you bring the purpose and mission out to them as a consultant or as an attorney or a little of both? I wear many hats, Andy, I got to tell you. So being that I am a lawyer and working at a law firm doing business development, um, that has helped me tremendously when I go out there and I network because I understand the language. I know what clients want from their attorneys Mm -hmm. and what they don't want. So I'm able to you know, talk to them as they need to be spoken with too. And I also do consulting, which kind of develop organically as well. You know, I go out and I do these panels. I go to these networking events and people ask me what I do. And that naturally, somebody said, will you do consulting for us? And obviously I said, yes, because I love to do that. I love to teach and help other organizations grow and start their DEIB journeys with the foundations. And then we move on from there as their needs, um, as whatever they need. So as you're looking out there, you're seeing some trends that are both interesting or disturbing to you. Some interesting are trends are that, you know, a lot of the firms that have started their DEI, they're continuing it, which I'm so happy about, even post the SCOTUS decision. Um, they are doubling down on their DEI initiatives, which I'm so happy to see because we cannot go backwards. We absolutely cannot go backwards. Um, And it takes the courage of these leaders to say, we are going to forge forward. We're not going to let anything stop us because also it's good business. Having a diverse workforce is good business. I always say, if you want to attract more clients, you need to have your organization reflect those clients that are coming to you for help. And one of the disturbing trends is, you know, people who are using the SCOTUS decision as an excuse to not continue their DEIB initiatives, or those that say we've reached the End game. We can stop now. Unfortunately, that is not how you look at DEIB. I wish that were the case where we no longer needed these initiatives, but unfortunately, they must continue and we are not done. We are never done. So to those organizations that think that it's okay to stop, I caution you. Well, but you know, it's an interesting philosophical question because it's a gig to them. It isn't fundamental. It isn't transformative. It isn't a way of thinking about people or business. Um, it's something that seemed to be cool to do, 
like right. ESG, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I just pay a little attention to the environment. Do I have to play to, some time to S and G? Right. Uh, we're, we're social creatures. We live in a very complex society. And and don't shortchange yourself by letting others put you into some box. Take the initiative and see why it's so important. I mean, women who lead lead companies in very good ROI. The returns are there and the people stay and they become places one wants to work. And that's not inconsequential, is it? It's not. People gravitate to people who are like them, Mm -hmm. right? So I always use this as an example. I will attract a different type of client than, let's say, a John Dorf or a John Nelson. I will attract the women. I will attract the people of color. I mean, not to say that they won't, but we're just, we go about business development and recruitment differently, right? That's why you need diverse perspectives within your organization, because the clients out there are so diverse. They, they can pick and choose who they want to work with, who they want to give their money to. And if they're not seeing representation at your organization or at your business, they're going to go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a really good practice to have so many different perspectives within your firm going out there representing your organization. You know, you know. often when I do workshops, I remind the CEOs in the group that 13 million companies are owned by women. And there's a tremendous amount of effort to get women, women of color, people with diverse backgrounds into the supply chain. Right into businesses so they can be in the supply chain. You know, they're looking for gender and gender fair. Yosei's company, Gender Fair, is trying to establish it as a standard, not as an afterthought. Um, And this is sort of a very important time for us not to let us go backwards. Right. um, And and not make it hard. I mean, I don't think this is hard work. It's important work. But but I, I... I, I too, am just thrilled that you're on this podcast because I think that many people aren't really aware of the, um, the, the challenge and the opportunities in before them. Is it easy? No. Should you do it? Absolutely. And will it help you and your purpose, your meaning, your business, your happiness grow? Uh-huh. Oh, God, Melissa, I don't why it should be easier. Tell the listener, we're just about ready to wrap up. Give okay. them one or two things that they should focus on. I always like Oprah's small wins. If you're going to get somewhere, don't try and move the battleship with an orb. A little at a time, but know where you're going. And let's assume that what you want to build is a really exciting organization that embraces diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging intentionally and intelligently. And that's going to help your business grow. Now, if they're going to start and they can see that, what one or two things you think should be important for them to do small win style? So before I answer that question, Andy, you reminded me, the firm, the law firm is gender fair certified. And ah. we are actually one of the first law firms to be gender fair certified. So that's, wow. another, <laughs> so that's another way that we show to the world, um, like the partners are putting their money where their mouth is. So I wanted to put that out there before I forget. So let's do a little little push for gender fair because it's a great way for you to demonstrate that you care about yeah. the right things in the right way. Exactly. So, so that's one of the two or three things you want them to small win by. But learn more, and we can certainly introduce you to Agenda Fair and, and its leadership. 
Uh, that's terrific. Melissa, please. Some other things. So from my personal, from my personal journey, I want to share with your audience that it's never too late. As I and I know it's a little cliche, but for me, I always thought that I could never leave my former life, we'll say, and make the jump to something that I absolutely enjoy and love, would never give up. Um, I I thought it was too late for me to unlearn being an attorney, unlearn being a litigator. But then when I opened up my mind mm-hmm. and decided finally that I was ready to make the move, I said, you're going to do it. You're going to be great at it. And I, it was a long process, but I did it. So one of my things, one of the things that I always say to myself and to the young attorneys or folks that I meet in the world is that it's never too late and you're never, don't ever be pigeonholed. Don't let people tell you that you're only good at one thing. And I had a lot of naysayers in my life, not to be a Debbie Downer, but a lot of people thought that I had lost it when I made the career change and because I was so good at what I was doing. Well, just because you're good at it doesn't mean you should keep doing it. So never too late, ever. You know, it's so interesting. Um, I We met you at a book event for our yeah. new book, Women Mean Business. Over 500 insights from extraordinary leaders to spark your success. And I've been doing podcasts with a number of the women who are in the book. There are 102 women, 500 wisdoms, and they all are sharing a good deal about their own life's journey. Now, Lorraine Harrington, we did the other day, and, and she said, no, there was no straight line. I was dyslexic. And I managed to realize I was really good at math. And from there, I got into computers early. And then I had, was in Silicon Valley. And then I went to raise money for Hillary. And then I, and, and, and I said, um, no straight line, is there? No straight line. No straight line. And, and in some ways, that's the exciting part about being a smart person. I'll say a smart woman, but a smart person. Right. Where when you can see the opportunities. One of the wisdoms I love there is, sure, you should have a plan, but don't get so fixed on it that you miss the opportunities that come. Yes. I'm a big serendipity person. So you just listen and hear Melissa stood up at an event and said something and I introduced her and I said, please come and speak on our podcast. And I'm just thrilled that you were here today. If people want to reach you um, and talk to you more or put you on a panel or help you help them, um, where's the best place? We will have it on the blog, of course, but sometimes they hear you and it sticks. Where should they reach you? Well, I'm at Dorf Nelson and Zouderer. My email is on the website, dorflaw.com, which is easier for me to say than my actual email. So dorflaw.com, and you'll find me there. Good. This has been a great, great conversation. Every time I do these, I learn more and more about wonderful women who are really transforming our society and themselves. And both of you are really smiling. You, the company you work for, the people you work with, and I'm happy to. So let me wrap up. For those of you who come and send me your emails and push out all of our podcasts. Last I looked, we're in the top 5% of global podcasts. And in some places like South Africa, we're really high. And, and it's sort of like, really? Um, so you never know where you are. So the message today is um, take your heart and follow it a bit. You never know 
what's in it for you? I was you were saying I like the the law shows on TV. Too bad there wasn't ad man at that time. <laughs> Maybe he would have been a marketer early on. Um, but but it is it is an interesting time. It's fun to share it. Um, my books, of course, are on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and your local bookseller. Women Mean Business is a fascinating book. I'll turn around and I will bring it over here because as you look at a book, you begin to realize, I mean, it's my third book. And the other two were all Amazon bestsellers and award winners. But each book has a different inside. And so as you open it, I mean, I love Kay Klopwitz. Not by chance, I opened it by chance. Um, they teach you something. And I often say that book has a fingerprint. And the fingerprint gives it a uniqueness. But its power is inside. And so as the book is opened at all of our events, and if you'd like an event, please let me know. What happens is something magical. You know, Kai Koplowitz said at one event, think fast and act fast. And she said, if I had time to analyze all the things I had to make decisions about, I'd never make a decision. And I said to myself, you know, as an entrepreneur, I thought fast and acted fast. You know, and, and that's how we learn from others. We get inspired by them. And it does spark our success with new ideas that we know aren't so crazy. It's fun. So thanks again for coming. It's been a pleasure. And we'll see you next week as we post all of our great podcasts. Enjoy the journey. Thanks, Melissa. I'll say goodbye now. Thank you, Andy, for having me. It's a pleasure.